This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, it's Yas here and I'm calling today with a little favour to ask. Over the recent weeks and months, I've had loads of you get in touch with some great questions and today I'm going to be trying something new with the show. I'm trialling a Q&A segment where I'll be joined by co-host and elite coach educator Gerard Jones. Now, these are discussions which are going to be taking place every Sunday evening at 7.30 GMT live on Twitter space if you wanted to get involved directly. Otherwise, I'll be releasing them here every Wednesday on the Coaches Network podcast. So for today's format, slightly different and for around about 30 minutes, each discussion will be dedicated to a question that has been sent in where myself and Joa will be going into some real depth and sharing our views and opinions on the topic in order to leave you with some key takeaways to consider in your own environments. So the favour I'm asking for today, guys, is if you could let me know your thoughts on the new format and you can do this by getting in touch on Twitter at The Coaches Net. Once again, that is at The Coaches Net. And of course, if you have a question, feel free to send that in too. Hope you enjoy the new format. The Coaches Network, bringing the game together. Hey, guys, you're now listening to The Coaches Network podcast, a podcast aimed at anyone who's passionate about athlete, talent and personal development. My name's Coach Yas and I'm a UEFA A-licensed football coach coach developer and content creator. I'll be sitting down with a range of guests to discuss their journeys, their life lessons and how you can make an impact. Enjoy. Byron, how are you doing? Good evening. I'm well. Good evening to you. Yeah, thank you so much for the for the topic. It's uh, very enlightening. And uh, yeah, what I wanted to share is uh, just something small that uh, as we're looking at the planning and all that, uh, one one thing to consider is that uh, many cases there are some uh, late developers, and there are already others who are there. They may understand whatever you're doing, but uh, the first thing before a session, I feel you first open up and tell them what exactly they are going to do, and what kind of criteria they are going to to use to get to the exact goal that you're looking at. Then, as you do that, there is, there is something that will give you a guide on uh, how they're doing it and how you're looking at uh, them benefiting from that particular exercise or different different kinds of things or the session. So it uh, is some, something to consider. And uh, if I'm to look further into, into, into the, the, question, the question that was uh, shared earlier in the chat, uh, where it was a kind of phrase that, uh, oh, just a moment, uh, like how do players view challenges? I feel it's more about uh, the coach, the, the coach and player relationship, in a way that uh, you open up all the way from the start and you tell them what exactly they are going to benefit out of it, what they are going to to do and how you really want them to do. It's kind of uh, setting yourself goals and also them having some goals which they have to be able to meet. So I feel it's something which has to be interactive all the way from the start to the end. Because in the end, 
the coach relationship is going to be very key in each and everything you do. You end up uh, doing a lot, to, a lot of talking and, and encouraging and guiding these people later on in order for them to understand and uh, be able to bring that session to plan with all that you're trying to put on board. Thank you so much. Quick question for you. I don't know if Yaz has got anything, but you mentioned late developers at the start. You know, what's your definition of a late developer and, and how do you plan for that? Like, what's the, you're given a problem there, which is planning for that individual. How do you plan for, you know, that individual? If you've got any examples. Yeah, one thing I would uh, I would look at, uh, given that, uh, let me let me give an example. Like, uh, I've been with a, uh, with this team, all these individuals for a while, uh, you'd be able to notice kind of some people who are who kind of uh, they they are quite different ways where you can be able to determine. Uh, right now, I'm going to take the the part of uh, that individual who's really taking so long to pick up or to be at the at the stage where all those people he started started with are at. So the thing is that. Uh, this person, the way is going to be handled is somehow going to be different from the others who are kind of, uh, let me say, picking up things within a very short time or who have been in the system for quite a long time. So in each and everything that you do, you kind of uh, see how you manage this uh, situation with the uh, different players, but also putting into consideration that there is, there, there is a, a group that you're trying to uplift and move with uh, however much it's not like you're going to separate them for a different session, but you're carrying them together with this because there is a way it kind of gives them uh, that confidence and also give them that uh, that zeal that I need to really keep pushing forward. But uh, as a coach, it's going to be a lot of your engagement, encouragement to see that that person is able to really get up because these are people actually after some time uh, they are able to catch up and they are really very good performers. Yeah, thank you so much. No, thank you for sharing. I mean, Yaz, have you got anything there or Tony or or even anyone else, you know, like just in terms of that late developer piece? Because I always find it interesting just because there's so many definitions for what a late developer is. But I know in the past people have labelled all oh, this kid's a late developer and they're not. You know, they're just assuming they're a late developer because they're small, but they might have already matured to most of their max growth anyway. Do you know what I mean? Um, does a late developer mean the physical growth and the maturation? Are we talking late developer in terms of their technical, tactical age, or whatever it is? Yeah, Tony, you've got your hand up. You know, I'd love to get your insight on this because you've seen it a lot and done it a lot. Yeah, I think that I think you have to be careful with with the terminology purely and simply because it means so many different things to so many different people um when i was working in the pro game in academy football it was really easy because you could play players one two even three years up you could play them a year or two years down but ultimately with pro game youth football the one thing that you can't fight is you can't fight the calendar. So people talk about, oh, well, let's... Uh, and there's some merit in this for me. 
at the moment, we're the only country, as far as I'm aware, in the world that do the uh, September to August birth cycle. Um, and when you're at a pro club and you want to enter an international tournament, it throws up all kinds of problems because inevitably you end up having to use, let's say, your, your older under-12s and your younger under-13s to play in an under-13 tournament, uh, which can put you at quite a big disadvantage. Some of your players might be 18 months younger than opposition players. So it's a tricky one as, as to how you manage it. I've seen all the kinds of things and research with regard to bio-banding. Um, and again, I would accept that it'll work up to a point. But the bottom line is, for those of you that are working in a pro game, you've got really important decisions to make pretty much every year, but particularly under 12, under 14 and under 16. And most, I would argue that most under 18 coaches wouldn't want a physically small, potentially physically weak, highly skilled player as part of their under-18s programme because they see very little future in them being accepted onto a pro deal. And I get all the, all the talk about, well, Messi this, Xavi, Iniesta. I 100% understand it. But I'm talking about the brutal reality of working in professional football, and I've done it for 20 years. Yeah, is there anything you want to jump in on that before I do, or anything from your end? Yeah, just it's just you know just really echoes Tony's point. Really, I mean, you know, what is the perception of of everyone in terms of what a late developer is? Are they are they really prepared and ready to be dealing with with the challenges that come with that? But I think the the bigger question, and I, you know, I've thrown this at you before as well, is that have they looked at the player and have they really asked themselves, is this player really a late developer or do they just have a younger playing age? You know, you hear about some of the players who have been in, in systems or even just playing the game generally since the under, you know, age of under sevens, under eights or whatever that looks like. But actually, is the late developer that we're in question, if there is one, have they only just come into the game two, three years ago, and they're still very raw? So they're not—they're not much a late developer. They're just very aligned with where they're actually at in terms of the playing age. Just, to, just something to think about. That's a great shout, and it's tough because I know everywhere you've always got these sort of age categories that are different, aren't there? And you got relative age effects and all this type of stuff. And yeah, and even as Tony said, you know, with the late developer, the terminology, it can be quite a dangerous place, but. I think ultimately we've just got to think about, you know, where's that player going? Because if they've got a, if they're trying to, to get into the sort of professional game and we know that statistics are so small anyway and how many progress, then you've, you've got to look at the, the marginal data like we have to. We can't ignore it. Yes, there's going to be outliers and people, you know, standard deviation outside, but we have to be aware of, you know, goalkeepers are typically a certain height. Defenders are typically a certain height. You know, now the profile in some clubs will change differently, you know, but yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one to, to, to add on. Um, I don't know if there's anyone else who's got any comments or anything they want to ask or, or share. Um, equally, you know, I'd love to hear, Clay, if you're listening, if you 
anything from your end in terms of your experiences with, with, with Louisville. It'd be fascinating to hear how you guys are, are doing individual development, if, you, if you're willing to share. Um, I think it's been a, a good chat so far, haven't you, guys, in terms of just a lot of the stuff that's discussed. Um, to me, I mean, there's a, there's a comment I'm playing around with right now, which is how can it be, how can we develop that autonomy and something that's meaningful to the player? So if we're really thinking about individual players, like if I, if I think about my own development, it's or anything we take pride in, it's it's got to be subjectively meaningful to you, hasn't it, as an individual? And I, I'm just going full circle back to the the fun piece of like what makes them tick, what type of player are they, what's their strengths? You know, one place might be actually that, you know, are we designing environments and activities that is meaningful to the player that's going to create that autonomy that we want that relates to their needs or their strengths? You know, just a question for the for the group in terms of what that looks like because that's going to have a huge influence on the, the, I guess, the challenges that we're designing or the possible constraints. You know, if you want the players to be able to be, you know, playing quickly, is there a, a, a challenge that you're doing on the touches or is there a challenge that you're doing on, on other aspects of the game that, that that's going to enhance that, you know? Um, and then just find ways that you can, uh, I guess, keep a record of how well they're doing at that particular thing. So it's all well and good setting these challenges and, and it goes back to your data piece, doesn't it, Yaz? We've just got to be really objective in how we're doing that. And it could be through simple note-taking. It could be through simple asking the players, you know, actually getting the players' feedback. And did they achieve this objective? You know, we've set these session objectives for the team or for them as an individual. Did you feel you, you achieved it today? Yes or no? You know, and most will probably be brutally honest and go, no, I didn't. Okay, why not? If so, if not, why not? If so, how so? And then you can have that conversation. Uh, one thing I'd leave with everyone as we wrap up is, you know, ask the players, how can I help you today? You could almost have like on a whiteboard that question of how can I help you today? And that's almost like an arrival activity. So as the players are, are walking in, they have to fill it in. They can write their name and then what the challenge is. And you could just have a little wander over and have a look and go, oh, that's interesting. Tony's put... You know, he wants to get better at uh, shooting while dribbling. I'm, you know, I'm making it up. Or Michael's put um, first touch. Somebody else has put something else. And they might be, oh, I wonder why they're working on that. Because, you know, but at least it, you're, or you might actually look at the session and go, well, that's great because we're actually going to be working on that. I've got that plan for tonight anyway. Might not have been that specific, but because of the nature of the game that we're doing anyway, He's going to get repetitions of that. So that's perfect. It touches on him. So, you know, it's ultimately making the players feel that when they've left the, the session for the game, there was something in it for them, you know, because we're human, aren't we? We love the attention. We're ego-centred. So just a couple of things that I wanted to, to share with the group. Um, if anyone wants to add on, feel free. If not, no worries. 
And again, Yaz, I don't know if there's any closing thoughts from you, but oh, oh he's in. Clay, we'll go for it. Oh, Clay, good evening. Hey, hey, how are you guys doing? Doing good, doing good. Good, I've never. How's it going? Oh, uh, good. I've never done one of these before, so I hope, uh, hope everything's working from my end. No, it's perfect. I'm fascinated nice. to see, you know, maybe the thoughts you've had on tonight, but then even like, you know, in your role, yeah. is this something that you guys are considering? I'm sure it is. And, and how does it look? Yeah. You know, when you develop players in the environment within a team? Yeah, this is, this is one of the constant conversations, I think, that, um, you know, our academy is kind of always working through is, um, you know, the goal is to develop the player uh, to achieve, to climb the pyramid, to, to reach into our first teams and to, to go as high as they can go. Um, the challenge in the American context, at least we have found is when we're, when we're having to engage parents and those not necessarily in our community is, is the winning often becomes the priority um, with parents wanting to, to join our club and, and become part that's always part of the battle i think in the american context um but from the individual development side of things um what we've done as a club over the past few seasons now is we run uh our idps our individual development plans with our players every single season um and those kind of come at the end of fall and at the end of spring and we meet with our parents we meet with our families the players and sit down and kind of go through what we see as needs uh, for growth and areas of great strength with the players. Um, so we're now kind of in our, I think, in our third year of doing these. And each coach kind of does them differently. Um, but I've, I've brought in my perspective from the education world where I once, once worked for many years. Um, and I think you mentioned it before taking notes on players. And that's always what I did as a teacher was I, I kept daily notes of what happened in sessions, um, of progress of things that were good, things were that, that were not good. And, and just kept looking at patterns and to see what patterns developed over time. And so I started to do the same thing with my players as I, as I kept daily notes in my little notebook. And as I see patterns develop, those become the things that we talk about in the individual development plans. Um, you know, and those patterns could be um, anything like you just said, shooting while dribbling, uh, hitting the ball cleanly while on the move or, or whatever it may be. Um, but I do think in the American context, if we're going to continue to develop strong players, we have to be able to give regular constant feedback, right? I mean, I think that's necessary to the development of, of a student in a classroom and that's necessary to the development of a of a player on the field. They need constant feedback to know where things are going well and where things need to be uh, developed to make them the best that they can be and achieve what they want to achieve. Good evening, Clay. Firstly, thank you for your, th your, your thoughts and comments there. I, I've got a couple of questions that sure. come to mind at the back. You spoke about um, they're keeping notes and you know then giving feedback in the form of you know what, what needs to be corrected maybe or what needs to be better. I, I wrestle with the idea of that sometimes because I think as coaches, we want to help the players. You know, fundamentally, that's why we're there. I'd, I'd like to believe that's all there anyway. But um, in giving that feedback, 
providing them with a, a way of uh, developing a technique or whatever that might look like. Are, are we not are we not in danger of uh, giving them an outcome that might not be aligned to their own movement pattern or their own perception of how this could be operated within? Does that make oh, sense? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So, so uh, you know, from in your role or in your experiences as a coach, how how do you tackle that? You know, do you do you go down the route of giving them an objective way of working, or how, how does that work? Or do you and do you go to the extent of explaining to them when or why this might be used? Um, that's a great question. Um, and I think when it comes to my feedback and when it comes to what we are seeking to achieve in our players, a lot of that from my perspective and my specific guidance comes from our club philosophy of play and what we desire to see from our players as a club, from, from really the first team all the way to our U8s and what we're seeking to instill in them through our club philosophy and playing style. Um, and now I try not to be super specific. Um, you know, those are my, my feedback generally is very broad, but pointed at a certain element, if that makes sense. Um, I want them um, like, for instance, uh, let me, uh, uh, one of my U10 players, one of my top, top team players in our U10 group this past spring. Um, fantastic on the ball. Dribbler, um, a, a, a just just extraordinary with the ball. Um, but he becomes, he falls into these patterns of one time too many and all of a sudden there's three to four defenders surrounding him and the ball is turned over. And it's not that I want to take away that dribbling ability but I want to generally give him feedback like, hey, I want you to lift your head up. I want you to assess what you see. And then I want you to make that best decision. And that best decision might not be taking an extra two or three touches. But you need to decide that and see what the result is of your decision. So if that makes sense to answer your question, I don't, I don't know if it does. Um, but I, I want it to be general where I'm not telling him, hey, this is what you need to do. Don't do this again. But, hey, think about the result of what you just did and could something improve that or was that successful? Yeah, no, I, I totally get your point. I'm, and I'm just, again, I'm just thinking out loud as, as you're speaking there and thinking, well, that, that individual is taking that one, two, maybe three touch too many on that, on that occasion. There's actually so much information there that actually is now dependent on his outcomes, right? Because mm -hmm. it's now... As the players around him or her, when I say, oh, well, Clay's taking an extra touch. Now, for, for some players, that could be a, a, a demotivator in terms of continuing to make those runs or those movements that actually might have made Clay's decision more impactful because Clay's probably seen something there or may have not seen something there that has now had a direct impact on that. So, you know, it's, it's quite an interesting one. I know it's probably going to go into a whole other tangent. Mm -hmm. There's probably one for another day, but it's really looking at... when we Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off 
my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durban Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Providing that feedback for individuals, are we giving it to them in a in a subjective way, or is these are the objective facts I need to consider? And then obviously, then leading on from that individual interaction to then allow the players around it to understand how that then subsequently impacts on them. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's a it's a, I think it is a whole other conversation on its own, to be honest. But I think it's just just to really point the point the finger at is the feedback when it is individual. And we're thinking that it's individual. Is it really individual or is it actually something that impacts everyone around us? Just a thought to consider. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, Clay, or if you've got anything uh, to add on that, Gerald. Or I love that thought. And, and I do think this is probably another tangent and another conversation. Um, but to me, like, as you navigate those, is this individual or is everybody hearing me? And um, the question then becomes, and, and to me, I, I go back to my, kind of my classroom days, is how am I communicating this topic, this whatever, this feedback? How am I communicating it? Is it public so everyone can hear what I'm saying to this player? Is it me pulling him to the side? What then, too, because then the question becomes, what is my relationship to this player? If he know, if I'm doing it publicly, how does he know? What does he know about the way I feel about him and want him to achieve? Um and so then you start to get into the topic of relationship and what is my relationship with the player when it comes to this feedback and what is my relationship with all the other players on the team when it comes to this feedback, if they are hearing it. Um, Cause I do think that's, that's huge, right? Is how is it, if it's public, how is it received by others? If it's private, how is, how does my player know that I care about him and want him to be successful? Um, all of those things certainly um uh, are huge when it then comes into that feedback and how it's being received, whether it's just the individual or by the people hearing it. Um, all of those things are, are then massive when it comes to that conversation. No, I 100% agree. And again, I'm reluctant to kind of go, go any deeper on it before we end up in another <laughs> yeah. round. But no, I think it's some great points there, Clay. I think it's really important to build on that relationship. And, you know, like you said, I think the key things are taken away from what you said is really take those notes. How, how, in any way, shape, or form that you take, how often are you actually observing your players and making notes how they interact and what's gone well for them and what they perceive to be a success and what perceives to be a failure for them and how they interact with your inter- your intervention. You know, is when they approach really working for them, are the questions effective enough for them? There's so many things to go into on, but um, Gerard, let me not open that can of worms, man. Over to you. 
No, I think this has been great. Uh, thanks for sharing, Clay, and just everyone who's joined in tonight, you know, whether it's uh, sharing a few words, asking questions, or, or just listening in. It's all good. And, you know, really appreciate everyone's um, time. I think we've got one more. Adam is, is going to come in now. And, yeah, just this is what these spaces are about, that interaction and, and getting people thinking. I like Clay's point around the IDPs because, to me, what that development plan looks like is really important because that should shape how we plan our sessions for the team because you're considering the individual and if you really get the players to drive that plan even better you know that, that's my two cents on that because uh, you're just going to develop that relationship Adam how's it going? Oh great how are you? Good yeah it's, um, I don't want to keep everyone up all night and Tony's bath's probably getting cold as well. But um, I just thought um, I'd touch on a few things. But I mean, if, if I go on a little bit, then just cut me off by any means. But a couple of things that like, I've written some notes down. I've always listened in to the show. I think it's brilliant. A great job you guys are doing and the interaction. There's so much knowledge. I'm always making little notes that we can take with us. And I was in a Cat 1 Academy for quite a few years in the Premier League. I left that last year to set up my own business, my own coaching company. And what I'm finding is a lot of the discussions that we're having tonight, a lot of those are going to be about the resources that you have. And I think that for me to come from that environment into what effectively is grassroots now, I don't necessarily have enough staff to be running things the way I want them to be run, obviously with what I've become used to, the resources and stuff like that. Um, what I have done is I've had sort of we've had a year of it now and we've done really well and we've got clubs interested in our players and all that sort of stuff and it's all going it's all going really well we're happy with it but we're always looking at how we can do better and the subject that you're on tonight was a really big thing for me and I thought that you know I've got us playing in a way that we like playing and the way that it looks good and the way it's going to attract um, people looking at us and the way we do things and also to educate the players and their game understanding however have we done enough individually and I don't think we have and I do think it might be down to resources and time a little bit but we need to find a way around it I know a couple of you have mentioned meetings with parents and I've already sort of written down that we're going to do the sort of plan do and review and let them have some ownership on how it looks and take a little bit of responsibility for what they're going to learn how we're going to get there discuss that with the parents etc um, and I, I just think that the way that I'm going to do it now is the two young coaches that we've got, I think they're going to be sort of doing the main sessions and I'm going to maybe try and take a little step back and have a look at things individually. And I've not been in a position to be able to do that until now, but possibly sort of September time when we start that. Um, so I don't know what everyone's thoughts are on. I mean, obviously coming from sort of Cat 1 Academy is very, very different to where I am now, where there's me and two young lads kind of running all the sessions. Um if anyone wants to have a, I don't want to go on too long. I've written loads of stuff down. I could, <laughs> I could talk yeah. about. But yeah, I think resources and staff are the big thing. To these are great ideas, but they're not always easy to implement. I think that's my point. Yeah, uh, do you know what this is? It's really interesting. So I mean, obviously, you know, I had some experiences working in academies myself, and one of the things that you know I was fortunate enough to do um, at the time when I was working at a Cat Three Academy was I actually spent a lot of time going away and observing the work of. The cat, you know, what the cat twos and the cat ones around where I was were doing, and the one phrase that always kind of stuck with me, and I, you know, I just, I, you know, I just came up in conversation, and I just thought, actually, that was quite good. I'm going to hold on to that. Um, was don't be limited by resources. Uh, sorry, don't let li uh, limited resources limit your imagination. 
what I mean by that is you're going to go to these companies. You've had the experience of being in that environment yourself, so you know what certain resources are in place for. So the question is, using the using the outcome, how do we reverse engineer that? What are different ways we can get to that outcome? So as an example, you know, we don't need uh, performance, performance analysts in every single club to get to get the benefit of having some an- analysis work or individualised footage or whatever that looks like. But there is other ways of doing it, right? So I think from the same concept, it's just look at the bits that you want to take away from those environments and you want to be able to apply in the environments you're currently working and think, right, well, what is it that I'm going after and what are the ways in which I can obtain that without having that same resource available to me? And I think that's probably, you know, it's not really answered your question, I don't think, but it's probably given you some maybe direction, hopefully, around yeah. where, no, where, I th- where do I go with it? Does that make sense? Yeah, you no, know, definitely. I think what what I've done is I've the decisions I've made around the way we've done it has really suited the company and got it off and off the ground and running. And the parents and the kids have been delighted with it all according to the feedback. However, I sit there and I look at the whole topic that you guys are discussing tonight and it just rings alarm bells that we haven't done enough individually. So somehow I need to free up time to focus more on that rather than making sure my session looks the way I want it, making sure the learning is where I want it to be as a group, you know, because we've done a lot of, like the way we, we've done in possession for about a year. Um, another thing I wrote down as well was about with curriculums and stuff. I'm probably changing the subject a little bit here, but I know like a lot of curriculums are down to dates and time periods. So you might do, I don't know, two, three weeks of this topic, move it on to the next topic, then move it on to the next and so on. I Now I can do things the way I wanted to do it. And I've always wanted to do it like this. I think that we'll move on when the players are ready. And that's the way that I'm doing it. We've been on the tacking wide areas for five weeks simply because it weren't where it needed to be. And I didn't think the learning was there. So for us to then go and move on to finishing phase or whatever it is next, I didn't think that was the right thing for us to do. I don't know if anyone wants to... I've changed the subject a little bit on that, yeah, but I don't yeah. know if anyone wants to add. Again, I think there isn't necessarily right or wrong in this, right? I mean, it's, it's fundamentally you're looking at the, in the individual needs of your players aligned to the organisation and the way in which you want to work. But I think it's... Curriculum is always an interesting one. I think it's, you've got to find a way to blend it in. And I think mm. always having, I mean, I, I, I work with a principle-based curriculum, if you like. So it's not set on a specific topic. It's not set on a, a specific area of the pitch necessarily, but it's actually whatever I'm going to coach based on the observations I've made in relation to the footage or the data that I've gathered on the group that I'm working with, everything's got to be linking back to the principles. Mm. Um, Gerald talked about it earlier about, you know, having challenges for both sides of the equation, if you like, on in possession and out of position, making sure everyone's getting something out of it. You know, and I shared a very brief example last week and around this. And, you know, if, if I'm working out of possession, as an example, working with some players out of possession last week and the focus was really around the out of possession work, I made it easier for the in possession. So the in possessions, you know, they, they, they were still getting their repetitions. They were getting the outcomes they wanted um, in terms of those high number of repetitions so that when it comes to now refining it, I can use that as a, as a piece to go back to and say, well, well, this is what I observed. But fundamentally, if you're t- you're saying that your team, um, the learning isn't isn't there, or for whatever reason, it's not there in attacking in the wide areas. The well, it time, is. It just took longer than we probably. It's the only topic we've taken dragged out for that yeah, long because we just weren't happy with how it works. Do with that sort of stuff is I say, well, if it is taking long then you know it, it is what it is i do i do agree with you to an extent that we need to kind of go at their pace but then going at their pace might mean that you miss bit, miss other bits 
Mm. And then it's like those five weeks. If I'm not a primary player of attacking in wide areas and I'm, I'm a defender, mm. well, if if there isn't any key focuses on me, I'm probably thinking, well, what am I doing? What am I really getting out of these sessions? I've done lots of repetitions of dealing with this. But then, you know, as a young player, you might not see the real benefits of that. Mm. Uh, so, you know, for, for me, when I'm going in, whatever I'm focusing on, the first thing I'm doing is nailing the op- the, oppos- the opposition. Oh, of course. Time. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, yeah. Making sure that they understand this is this, this is that. But then obviously, if you've got those two young coaches with you doing that, I think it's how do you get them to understand the perception of, well, we need to work with the individuals here. We need to support them. And then secondly, how do you then support them if they're not already there in terms mm. of their understanding, their experience and their knowledge around how to actually go about doing that without mm. you doing it for them and letting them essentially run the session overall we're giving you the platform that you need to go in and work with those individuals so it's how are you are you able to pass those messages on and get that going through yeah. the organization if that makes sense no it does it's a good point and i think it's something that i've kind of thought about i mean are we ready for them guys to lead it are we ready for that i don't know we might be and will we ever be ready if we don't give them a chance this is another conversation altogether with young coaches i guess but I, I I need to, the topic obviously tonight is that, and I, I need to implement more of it. And I think that like tonight's helped a little bit. I think it's been good, some good ideas bouncing around. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll go away and review it. I've made notes and stuff and try and find the best way with what we have because we don't film anything. We don't, we can do it on our phones and stuff like that. Of course we can, but um, there's not many of us. So it's not like we have a designated person that sets up VO and it gets going and then it's, we don't have all that. So it's, I don't know. I do. I just. I don't know if we're going to have it enough until I come away from leading the whole session. If you see what I mean, but we'll yeah. see. We'll see. Just a couple of points before Gerard jumps back in there. I think the first one is: is there a way that you know, if you've got the resources like a VO, you know, isn't that something that potentially you could assign to one of the subs on your games? Or no, we don't have VO. We don't have. Oh. We don't. Have, we don't have anything yet. We're, we're a new company, and, and obviously, when you're yeah. running a business, cost has to be effective, and VO is very expensive, by the way. Oh. Then, and then, you know, there's one other consideration, and I think Clay talked about this earlier around individual development plans. There's always something I thought about is most organizations they have a pretty much standardized approach to it. Um, I don't know whether I agree with that because, for, you know, fundamentally, everyone's going to respond to things differently, right? Yeah, if I'm telling you this is my individual development plan process and you got to participate in it, and but the way in which it's designed is just because how the club have designed it, the organization designed it, it's aligned to the needs and the tick boxes that come with, especially if you're working in the academy and the EPPP and you're just trying to demonstrate certain things, is that always the best thing for the player? Should the player not also have a, a part to play in terms of what that process looks like, in terms of the overarching plan, when the contact points potentially are? I don't know. You know, I know it, it can potentially add more work, but then, you know, it's just a thought to consider. But then, if you're looking at standardising it, it might be that you offer them two or three options in terms of right how do they want to approach the individual plan here's a couple of different templates or methods or processes that we follow as an organization obviously time is a massive part and put the part to play in this you know you want mm. to try and simplify it and make sure everyone can work on the same page but then i think the fundamental benefits of that is well you get different ways of working and hopefully something that can better suit the needs of your players based on them as individuals as well so mm. yeah think about that but gerard i know you're going to add something as well yeah, no, it was just a closing comment, really, and, and to what Adam, thanks for sharing, because these are, are great questions. Um, I didn't want to lose my trail of thought. So on the curriculum piece, uh, I'm with you in the sense that uh, I agree. We, we talk about a spiral curriculum. So from 
my experience, my own biases, I'm a big believer in less about week 52, we all do this, or, you know, week 20, we do this, um, you know, that type of thing. I'm a believer that, uh, you know, it should be that the individual team, we're moving at the speed of the players. And if they still need to spend longer on something, that's okay. And it's the same even within a session. I think sometimes coaches want to be in this mad rush to move the session on, but there's nothing wrong with staying within the same activity for a little bit longer or throughout. So there's a phrase I use, and I'll, I'll put it in the chat, which is, um, and I've said this in the, the last two environments I've been in, Morocco and, and now sporting, which is movers move at the speed of the player whilst recognising moments when we can stretch the player beyond, beyond their perceived competence or potential. And to me, I think that just summarises everything because, yes, we want to move at the speed of the player, which is what we both agreed and we said, but then there's also that balance of sometimes we can stretch them beyond what they might think they're comfortable uh, doing or not, and that's okay. Sometimes it's okay just to go a little bit further and, and throw them out their comfort zone a little bit. It's just recognising that that point, really. Um, on the the individual development piece, just a couple of things. I don't know if you've thought about these things or not already. Um, I'm sure you have. So, for me, you've got parent volunteers, key stakeholders. You know, there's always a parent who's got a camera. There's always somebody who wants to be involved in some way, shape or form, even to help. So there's always an opportunity there. I think with the with the development piece around the individual, I use this phrase a lot, which is there's 11 analysts. Or, you know, if you're working at 77, there's seven analysts. And meaning that if we can develop the players, every player can be their own analyst. You know, so actually it doesn't always have to be on us to see everything and record everything and reflect on everything. But actually giving the players little sheets, what they can reflect on, or homework, football homework, tasks that they can go away and do and watch the game back, or watch, you know, there was two great games yesterday, which I loved. Morocco under-23s in the African Cup of Nations, for obvious reasons. And then, obviously, England, which I'm sure everyone watched, you know, the under-21s and the Euros, giving the players a task where they can watch those games in a position that they play a player that's maybe similar to their style or someone you want them to look like um, and watch that player and give them a particular focus of it could be in possession or out of possession. That doesn't cost anything. And then you're putting it on them and it could be as simple as that. And I'm sure you've probably done this already. And mm. it could be, hey, Clay, when you come to practice on Tuesday night, show me how you, you, you played similar to so-and-so. You know, what type of movements did he make? And he creating that game and then... I think on the other piece, because it's a good point, you know, when you talk about the business, there's so many universities I've found where the students crying out for experience. So liaising with universities where you can use their um, equipment, getting them partnerships because it's win-win for them. They're gaining the experience, you're gaining the, the labour. You know, I did it with my own business where there's um, European Regional Development Funds grant funding. And I partnered with uh, basically the University of Derby, Nottingham University, whatever. And they paid uh, these guys up to 80 hours they funded. And then if you went above 80 hours, you had to put in your own pocket. But basically, it was part-time work. And they funded it. They paid the, the students. 
And then I got all the access to the equipment, the videos, the cameras, and the students coming out. So there's tons of things where you can probably tap into it. And, you know, if you need any help, happy to, to share with you. Um, where I think we can be, you know, quite clever, whether it's volunteers, internships, whatever it may be. But no, I think it's, it's great. Gerard, brilliant. Some really good info there. I've written it down and I'll definitely be using some of that. I mean, both of you, really. It's a really good show you've got going on, a lot of info and... I think it's well worth tuning in. I think we can learn a lot from each other. So thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. No, thank you. And equally, you know, I'd love to, even on the next one, if you're coming next week, it'd be great to, to get your insights, you know, when we've got more time, mm. just your experiences working at the non-league and, and, well, it shouldn't even be called non-league, really, should it? Especially with the levels now, the detail they go into the conference, what have you. But, the, you know, that and the stuff that you've done in the, in the academy game, it'd be great to get your insights on it. So, you know, definitely come in next week and it'd be great to pick your thoughts on it. The, the yeah. topic next week is going to be around game model. So, um, you know, yeah, it'd be great to get your thoughts. And I don't know if there's anything from you, Yaz, but, you know, from me, massive thank you to, to Adam and Tony and Byron and Clay and everyone just for staying with us and, and just this space, you know, and hopefully everyone's took away something from it and, you know, if you're with the English FA, if you're not, no worries. Hopefully, you've gained loads of some cool ideas and connections. And uh, if you are with the English FA and you're looking for that CPD as well as a bonus, just complete that self-reflection form after the session. It takes literally less than two minutes. And that'll make sure that you're eligible for the one-hour CPD from tonight. We'll record everything. As Yaz mentioned, we submit it to Middlesex FA and then it's on the FA the county FA to then basically upload that onto your profile it takes a little bit of time but it'll be added onto your your fan page um, so really exciting great opportunity make sure you, you fill that in um, looking forward to next week with the game model and obviously the webinar that we've got coming up on July 19th um, anything I miss Yaz or anything from you? No just really just to kind of recap what you said there and echo it in that you know first of all you know said it already in this conversation but massive massively appreciate everyone you know getting involved tuning in and obviously it's great to see so many new faces as well so guys if you are here for the first time make sure you're following us we are here pretty much on a weekly basis having these types of conversations and really just for one key key outcome really just you know just help one another grow and do this thing that we call coaching a lot better if it's possible so yeah please do engage with us um if you haven't caught the, the full conversation, it will be available to you both, obviously, here on Twitter. But you can also engage um, with the podcast as well, the Coaches Network podcast, where all the, all the conversations are also uploaded onto. Um, and, you know, can't guarantee at this point, but hopefully what we can try and do, because this one's been an extra long one, and um, there may be an extra, extra hour CPD applicable for this one. So please do get the task completed, make sure you're tuning in, make sure you're following both myself and Joe for future conversations. And again, massive thank you and appreciation for everyone involved, Tony, Adam, Clay, Byron for sharing your views and obviously Gerard for co-hosting and everyone else has had an opportunity to just uh, join us this evening. So yeah, Gerard, over to you, man. Now, perfect. Thank you, everyone. Hope you have a great rest of the evening and uh, see you next week. See you next time. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate it. Cheers. See you, guys. Well, there you have it, guys. Another episode of the Coaches Network podcast, where our aim is to bring the world of athlete, talent, and personal development together to just one platform. And you can help us with that mission right now by sharing this episode or any of your favorite episodes with everyone that you can think of. You can tag us in those mentions as well on Instagram at the Coaches Network or on Twitter at the Coaches Net. 
We look forward to hearing from you. Let us know what you thought about today's episode. And until next time, guys, take care. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.